0: you need to have your eyes open to be able to assess the landscape of opportunity because there's gonna be a lot of needs that need to be met, a lot of problems that need to be solved, a lot of people that need to be served, and the people that are going to be quote unquote lucky are gonna be the ones who are prepared to act upon the opportunity that presents itself over the course of this next season. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd, I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, today, we're going to talk about a very relevant, time-sensitive, and emotionally laden topic, because today, we're going to be talking about how to prepare for the impending recession, um, both as a business and as a leader. But before we jump into the content around this topic, there's two things that I wanted to make sure I got across to you, the audience. One of our core values at Path for Growth is the core value of alignment, and the associated tagline with this core value is that the message we give aligns with the way that we live and so we always want to speak from a posture of experience and we're not going to talk about things that we haven't done and been through simply put i think it gets really really dangerous both for the communicator but also for their audience when they start to stretch out over their skis and talk about things that they haven't actually done And so with that being said, uh, I feel like I should tell you up front, the last time the US economy went through a full-blown recession, being the housing crisis of 2008, uh, I was in high school. And the one before that, 2001, everything associated with 9-11, I was in fourth grade. right? And before that, Uh, the one that was in the 80s, I wasn't even alive yet. And so (laughs) it would be worthwhile for me saying that. Now, Now, that's the posture that I'm coming from, but here's what I have done that is kind of what I'm drawing from to be able to create this episode and share this content that will add value to you. Is over the past several years, as I've gotten involved in working in the business and leadership space, I've gotten to meet a ton of leaders, business owners, CEOs, who learned a lot from all three of those recessions, and we could also add everything associated with COVID to that. And I've observed and seen leaders who absolutely thrived through these economic dips, but I've also seen businesses and observed leaders and even talked to leaders who experienced uh, failure or literally went out of business during these recession periods and uh, just as kind of is my nature i've asked a lot of questions what are the decisions that you made what are the lessons that you've learned what are the principles you've taken away what are the things you're going to make sure you do differently next time and these are questions that i've been asking for years and years and years and years from leaders of businesses of all stages sizes and industries and as a result and i'll tell you i i've kind of been doing that for myself because in my mind i'm just thinking to myself like One of these things is coming, and although I haven't had to lead through one yet, I'm going to have to lead through one in the future, and so I want to make sure I'm primed, I'm prepared, and I'm ready, and and so that's the posture that I'm coming from, but that's the first thing I wanted to tell you is that so much of what I'm going to be sharing from you today is what I've observed and learned from some of the greatest leaders that I know in terms of how they prepared for and thrived through recession. It's not the experience that I've had on my own, but I'll tell you, this is the playbook that we're going to be operating from our business. Now, here's the the second thing that I want to share with you is there is a lot of content out there right now that sounds something like, 10 easy steps to recession-proof your business, right? And and they're telling you, we're going to make you recession-proof as a human being. And uh, man, it's just, it's such good marketing. And at the same point, I just am very skeptical at anyone who claims to be able to see the future, to know what's going to happen, and to know exactly what you need to do to be quote-unquote recession-proof. So are the things that I'm going to tell you to do out of this episode going to recession-proof you? No, I, I don't know that anyone can do that, right? But what we are going to do is we're going to focus on one really important word, and that's the word preparation. And this brings us into our content. There's three principles that I want us to focus on before we get into the 10 actions associated with preparing for recession. Okay, so let's start with the first one. Good leaders respond to crisis Great leaders prepare for it. There was so much associated with the COVID-19 hysteria in 2020 that talked about how leaders need to be the people who respond to crisis and not react to crisis. And everyone was focusing on what's your response. And And I think that that's really good. And I think like the principle says, good leaders do respond to crisis. Here's the thing that I've observed through that craziness, but also from the leaders that I've been observing and walking with for years now, is that the best leaders that I know, they don't just respond to the crisis whenever it happens, they prepare for it. Now, does that mean they consider every nuance, every variable, and that they're literally structuring their business for the occurrence of a global pandemic? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But they structure their business in such a way that they know that crisis is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Crisis is inevitable. And so therefore, we would be wise as leaders to be prepared for it. And let's be very specific about what we're talking about here. People keep saying, when's there going to be a recession? Is there going to be a recession, right? And this is one thing I can speak with pretty high degree of confidence and assertiveness on is, yes, there will be a recession. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying anything about when. It could be tomorrow. I mean, some people say we might already be in it, right? It it could be right now. It could be two weeks from now. It could be five years from now. There's going to be another recession. The economy isn't going to be quarter over quarter, year over year, decade over decade, up and to the right, right? It's going to take a dip and it's going to take probably a prolonged dip because this kind of connects to the Ecclesiastes line that there's a season for everything. And leaders recognize there's a season for everything. And man, we've been doing pretty good here for about the past two years. And now it's kind of looking like things are gonna dip. And the people that I most respect and value their leadership advice on is the people that are like, okay, well, this seems directly in alignment with what I would have expected was going to happen. I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I certainly anticipated that this thing wasn't gonna go up into the right forever. And so, no, I don't know exactly when it's going to be classified classified or categorized as an official recession. And I'm not really interested in those conversations because as it relates to the content of this episode, a recession is coming. It's inevitable. So now the question is when? And it would be wise for us as leaders to prepare for that crisis instead of just focusing on responding to it. Okay, let's move to the second principle. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. There's so many people who have been attributed to this quote, but I'm going to give it to Daryl K. Royal just because he was a coach at the University of Texas and he's the name that I like most, so hook them horns. But think about this. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So there are a lot of leaders and businesses that were wildly successful on the backside of the 2008 dip. And there have been a lot of leaders and a lot of businesses on the backside of COVID-19 and everything that occurred in 2020 that, man, we look up and we say, holy cow, that person just crushed it. Now, we don't want to minimize the fact that there were lots of people that were devastated by both 2008 and 2020, and we're, we're not taking anything from that. But there were a bunch of people that went out of their way to serve people and to meet needs and to shift and to pivot. And, and you look up and you're like, holy cow, and what could we say? Well, we could say, man, that person's just really lucky. Yeah, okay, lucky, really, luck? No, because what is luck? preparation meets opportunity. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode is you need to have your eyes open to be able to assess the landscape of opportunity because there's going to be a lot of needs that need to be met, a lot of problems that need to be solved, a lot of people that need to be served. And the people that are going to be quote unquote lucky are going to be the ones who are prepared to act upon the opportunity that presents itself over the course of this next season. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Let's move on to the third principle and then we'll jump into the actions. You can't be strategic if you're just trying to survive. Whenever I think about this principle, my mind always goes to a, a very specific story. I was in Dallas, Texas for. A team training a handful of years ago now and I was with a business and and I got up pretty early one morning and just went for a walk through downtown. And as I was going for this walk, uh, there were a a lot of homeless people around town, which that is just a, it's a cause that um, really devastates me and it really confuses me and confounds me in some ways. And um, there were a bunch of them on this particular morning that approached me and I went in with a couple of them and talked to a couple of them, went into a couple gas stations, bought some food, things like that, and just had conversations. And some of them were kind to me, some of them were appreciative, some of them were like literally angry and yelled at me that I wouldn't buy them cigarettes. It kind of ran the gamut. And probably talked to between six or seven uh, of these individuals over the course of that morning walk. And I found myself just thinking about, man, it's just so clear to me that they don't want to be here. They don't want to be in this situation. And and that was evident. And I don't think anyone that was with me that morning would have had any argument that it was clear that these individuals that I was talking to, that they didn't love the situation that they were in. And so I was just kind of racking my brain, just thinking about the fact that like, okay, it would probably be hard for them to get out of this situation tomorrow. But man, if they really put their mind to it and thought about, okay, what would it look like for my life to be radically better in like six months or maybe a year? And what would it what would have to be true for me to to get a job and to have a roof over my head and to have consistent meals and to be able to provide for my family? And 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 it was just so clear that if they literally just asked that question. I mean, it's possible. The ability for them to do those things, I really believed was possible because I, at that time, was talking to people every day who were literally telling me on coaching calls, like, I'm just looking for a person to hire, right? I'm just looking for someone that can do a job and show up reliably on time. And I was just thinking to myself, is it that they, is it that they don't actually want it? And I was like, I don't know that that's it because that didn't really line up with any of my experience that I had with these people that morning. And so I was thinking about this and then it clicked with me said, oh, it's really, really difficult to think about what you want your life to be like in six months whenever you don't even know what your next meal is, whenever you don't even know where you're sleeping that night, whenever you don't even know how you're going to provide dinner for your kids. And that's when this principle landed with me that you can't be strategic if you're just trying to survive. If you are in a posture where you're just having to meet your most basic fundamental needs as a person or as a business, you won't be able to think about six months from now. You won't be able to think about a year from now. You certainly won't be able to think about three to five years from now. And so the less stability you have within your most fundamental needs, the less able you will be able to think about your vision for the future. And so how does this apply to the topic we're talking about today is, man, if you can prepare yourself and your business and your team in such a way that when recession hits, you don't go into survival mode where you're just trying to stay on the hamster wheel and just trying to keep the lights on and just trying to keep the doors open and just doing your best to stay in business, you're going to be so positioned to be strategic if you're not just focusing on asking the question, how do I survive? And so that relates to this topic of preparation because preparation is what bolsters your ability to not get into that survival mode rut where you lack all vision altogether of the future that you're chasing and moving towards. Remember, you can't be strategic if you're just trying to survive. Okay, so it's within the paradigm of those three principles that we're now going to walk through 10 actions. And we may spend a little bit more time and park on some of these for a little bit longer, and then we may kind of reduce the time on some of them just based on how we walk through this. And so I'm going to give you 10 actions that these are things that you can focus on to make sure that you, your team, and your business is operating from a posture of preparation for the inevitable recession that is ahead. Okay, action number one, get your house in order. Now this relates to the third principle that we just talked about that you can't be strategic if you're just trying to survive. And it really relates to kind of a couple of uh, dualities that we could use different words for, right? There's order and chaos is what Jordan Peterson would say. And there's certainty and uncertainty and there's stability and variety. And one of the things that's associated with each of those dichotomies that I would like for all of us to realize is you earn the ability to wade into chaos by establishing order in the things you can control. I'm going to say that again. You earn the ability to wade into chaos by establishing order in the things you can control. Now, how does this apply to what we're talking about here with regard to preparing with recession? Well, if things really do dip into recession. And if that happens soon and maybe your industry drops or maybe your, uh, like your lead flow goes radically down or maybe there's a change in consumer behavior or maybe people kind of get into this wait and see mode and hold on to their cash until the next election. All those things are possibilities, right? Every day when you go into the office, if that's the reality that you're living in, it's gonna feel a little bit like chaos. Right, Because it becomes a little bit wild west. You're demanded to be creative. You're demanded to think about new things. You're demanded to take some risk. Right, And, and so you're going to be operating in the realm of things that are extremely unstable, extremely uncertain, and what feels a little bit chaotic. Now, what's not good is if every time you go into the office, it's unstable, uncertain, and chaotic, and then you leave the office and come home, and there it's also unstable, uncertain, and chaotic. Ooh, that is no good. I really, really doubt your ability to weather the impending recession if you have instability, order, and chaos in every arena of your life. And so it's probably pretty important for the things that are closest to you, meaning your personal health and personal growth, your personal finances, your spiritual wellness, your family, your closest community relationships. Maybe get your act together in those areas. Maybe operate from a posture of strength in those arenas. Maybe make sure you're healthy in those arenas. You know, who are you going to put your money on to make it through this and be strong? The person that has a thriving business right now, but a bad marriage or the person that business is okay right now, but man, they've got a strong marriage. I'll put my money on the person that has a strong marriage every day of the week because they're going to have the emotional centeredness, support and order at home necessary to do whatever it takes to keep the business moving forward. And so remember that your business is not who you are. Your business is where you serve and your business represents an externality. And the further external we get, your business, the industry, the economy, the less control you actually have. And so therefore, those things are liable to become chaos really quick. So what do you do? You establish order, stability, and security in the things that you have more control over. So I've got some questions for you related to this. How's your spiritual life? And think about that honestly. Like, do you feel connected to your creator? Is your prayer life real? And is it consistent? Are you immersing yourself in truth on a daily basis? How's your spiritual life? Here's another one for you. How's your health? Part of preparation is making sure that you're doing everything you can to have the vitality to deal with the conditions that lie ahead. And this kind of relates to the idea that it's not going to be the conditions that ultimately affect your life. It's going to be your decisions. And so how's your health? Is your marriage strong? If you're married, we already talked a little bit about this. I put my money on the person with a strong marriage every single day of the week. Is your family unified? If not, it would probably be a good time to shore that up. It never seems like a bad time, but again, these are the closest relationships. These are the relationships that are blood, right? And so it might be good to start locking arms with those people instead of being at each other's throats, because if you're at each other's throats, when things go crazy, man, that's not a great posture to be able to be prepared from. Are your personal finances in order? Do you have a rainy day fund? Are you operating on a budget? Do you have clarity around your numbers? And then finally, do you have genuine friendships that you invest in regularly? This is one that should get under some of your skin. Your community, John Deloney would say, is like your relational emergency fund. And so if you don't have thriving friendships that are not related to your business, that you see regularly, that value for the person you are and not just the things that you do, that you can be open with and transparent with and vulnerable with, that you can have fun with, that you can engage with and share meals with, man, it's crazy to me how people who go through crisis with community just always seem to come out better on the other side than those who are isolated. And so the cool thing about all these things, spiritual life, health, health marriage, unity of your family, personal finances, friendships, is, man, maybe you're not in a great spot in all of those things. And maybe there's one or two that really stand out as, man, I need to get your act together. And so what should you do? Well, maybe you should get your act together. Maybe you should put your house in order. And this is what's so mind-blowing about you as a human being is you can proactively make the decision to grow in the areas that you're weak so that You're prepared to be able to be strategic and also to serve other people whenever everything goes bonkers, because everything, who knows when, will go bonkers. Get your house in order. This relates to another principle we talk about all the time. I just recently wrote a Worth It Wednesday on this. If you want to get on that email list, you can sign up with the link that's in the show notes. But if you want to put your business in order, start by putting yourself in order. Start with the things closest to you, which is your soul, then your family, then your closest relationships, and then move towards putting your business in order. Because from that posture of health, I really, really believe that you can weather most things externally. Get your house in order. Okay, let's move to number two. Reinforce, amplify, and publicize culture. Now, One of the things that you need to come to terms with is that in the world that lies ahead of us, what's going to be your differentiator as a business? And and really, this relates to the question, which race are you going to run? Now, there's kind of two that I'd like to highlight. There's one race that says, I want to be the cheapest, I want to be the fastest, and I want to be the biggest and if that's you, uh, you don't have time for culture and you also don't have time for this podcast, right? So, so if you're saying I, we just need to compete on that hamster wheel of we've got we to gotta be the cheapest and, and we've got to be the fastest and we've got to be the biggest team that there is, then, man, I'm, I'm not for you because if those are your primary motivators, then – those are actually uh, counterintuitive to healthy growth. Now, am I saying that all those things are bad things? No, they can be really good things. Just never make them the best thing. But here's another possible race, quality, humanity, and health. If you're going to double down on, as we head into this world that looks very different in the future than what we are experiencing and engaging with today, if you're going to double down on quality, The the value that you provide, humanity, the way that you leverage human beings on your team to act like human beings in service of other human beings, and health, the vitality and maturity and morale of your organization. If you're going to double down on those things and say, that's the race that we're going to run, that's the hill that we're going to die on, then what I would tell you is that you don't have time not to focus on culture. It's the whole theme of Patrick Lencioni's book, The Advantage, that culture is going to be your differentiator. It's going to be the thing that sets you apart. And, And so what arenas is it setting you apart in? What are we talking about here? Well, it certainly sets you apart for recruiting people. And then it sets you apart for retaining people. It absolutely sets you apart for attracting customers via your marketing, for serving customers, for converting customers. There are people who will work for you for less money if your culture is vibrant, lively, and healthy. I know it because I've seen it. I've talked to them, that they say, man, if I could just work for a place that values me, that has a purpose, that I feel deeply engaged in, then that I have some idea of where we're going and what I'm a part of, man, I will take a pay cut for that. Those people are out there, but only if you actually double down on culture. There's so many people that say, oh, we value culture so much and we're all on this cultural bandwagon. And what that means is they've got a mission statement on the wall. But if you ask their team what the mission is, the team has zero clue. And so what would it look like for you to be a culturally remarkable team? like in the top 1% of the country with regard to how people use the values and believe in the mission and wake up every day excited to be at work. And and man, that's going to take some work. And so what are the things that you're going to have to do? You're going to have to reinforce in your communication. You're constantly going to have to remind people and you're going to have to talk about it in ways that are inspiring. You're going to have to tell stories. You're constantly going to have to be saying, this is why we exist. This is what we stand for. This is where we're going. And you're going to have to do the work of defining those things, but then regularly reminding people of those things. And then you're going to amplify, right? And and so you're you're going to start marketing these things internally for your team. And you're going to start saying, this is why we exist. This is what we stand for. This is where we're going. And you're going to double down on recognizing the people that are living those things out. And you're going to kind of refer back to these things in your decisions. And then you're going to publicize it. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of talent that's on the market associated with the recession, most likely, right? Because we, we see this all the time. Layoffs happen. And a lot of times, there's lots of really, really good people that suddenly are without a job that are looking for a great place to work. And man, for you to be prepared for that? Well, it would look like you having a strategy for making sure the people in your community or in your digital community know why you exist, what you stand for and where you're going. They know that you have this remarkable culture. And so some of us have spent so much time on creating this incredible place to work. The only issue is that no one knows about it. And so we're gonna have an episode here soon on attracting and hiring great talent. But one of the things that I would tell you is just focus on publicizing your culture right? That that will be so helpful. But then there's one more reason associated with reinforcing, amplifying, and publicizing culture that I want to focus on. Here it is. The marketplace is going to change, period. And therefore, your strategies will need to change. Now, the teams that I believe are most prepared to weather that change will have certain things that are immovable. So strategies How we do what we do is going to need to shift, and that's going to be really related to one of the points that we're going to focus on here in just a bit. But what I want you to understand is that the teams that are most able to be agile and to shift and to move and change and to pivot are the ones that have some things that are pillars that are anchored into the ground that they can hold on to amidst all that change. What are those pillars? Why do we exist? an aspirational mission statement. What do we stand for? Immovable core values. And where are we going? A vision for the future that says, this is the destination and and we're going towards that destination. We may take some strategic detours along the way, but that's where we're going. The teams that I've seen thrive through these valleys are the ones that have things that are immovable when everything else is shaken. Mission, values, vision. Reinforce, amplify, and publicize culture okay, let's do a couple more. And then what I'd like to do, because this is turning into a little bit of long episode shocker is I'd love to break this into two parts. And so we'll do three, four and five, and then we'll put the final five in the next episode. So let's go to number three, understand and minimize risk. Now, hang with me here because this could be one of the most powerful concepts in the entire thing, because this is very related to like the idea that we could solve your problem or we could give you a principle that allows you to solve future problems. This is a principle and this is this is one that has been so helpful for me. So it's something that I learned in listening to an interview that General Stanley McChrystal Uh, did, I believe it was with Shane Parrish on the Knowledge Project. And it's kind of the thesis of Stanley McChrystal's book, Risk, A User's Guide. Now, Stanley McChrystal is a retired four-star general. He's uh, an incredible writer, an incredible leadership thinker. He also wrote Team of Teams, if you're familiar with that book. But here's the equation that he gave for risk that is so helpful in seasons like the one that we're in. Risk equals threat, times a vulnerability. Now I want you to visualize this real quick. Risk equals threat times vulnerability. Okay, so we're looking for a way to measure risk and the amount of risk that we are experiencing as an organization and as a business and how much risk we're putting our business in whenever we make specific decisions as it relates to this season. So that's that's what we're looking at. That's what we're trying to solve for. Now, what are threats? Well, threats are the externalities that in many ways are largely out of your control it's different things that could happen that if they were to occur it would be a threat towards your survival your well-being and your business's overall health right so that's the threat now what's vulnerability it's your ability to weather oncoming threat right and so it's the the armor that you have in place very related to what we're talking about right now to be prepared for impending oncoming threats so let's use a very basic example Okay, someone's running at you with a gun. Very basic example, right? But these archetypal examples help uh, really clarify what we're talking about here. Someone's running at you with a gun. What would that be as a threat? Well, it'd be outrageously high threat, right? I mean, probably on a scale of 1 to 100, that would probably be darn near 99. Now, vulnerability. What's going on with vulnerability? Well, on a scale of 1 to 100, let's say you're unarmed, Vulnerability, probably really high, probably 95 to 99, right? Depending on how trained in jujitsu you are, right? Okay, now what if we say you're armed? Okay, probably around 50 now is where we're at in terms of vulnerability. Now let's say you're in an armored tank. Well, now your vulnerability drops darn near to zero. Okay, so threat is 100 you're unarmed, that's also 99 to 100, risk, outrageously high. Threat, 100, guy running at you with a gun. Vulnerability, while you're in an armored tank, vulnerability, zero. Risk, zero. Now here's what I want you to hear out of this. You can't always control the threats that will come at you, but what you can control and affect is your vulnerability to those oncoming threats. And so this relates directly to what we talked about in point one and point two, and honestly, everything that we're talking about within this episode. But some people focus so much on the threats that they can't control that they minimize the things they can do to reduce their vulnerability to those impending oncoming threats. And so what are some actions you could take to put your business in a place where it can weather the oncoming threats? because that is going to reduce your risk. And so really, I'm not gonna get really tactical with you here, I just want you to remember that as a principle and I want you to think about this and this would probably be a good exercise for you and maybe even your leadership team whenever y'all have some time together is just to write this equation on the board, threat times vulnerability equals risk and then make sure kind of y'all understand, okay, what are some threats that are Possible. You can't predict every threat, but you can predict some of them. What are some threats that are possible? And then what are some things we could do to reduce our vulnerability as it relates to those threats? Because that will reduce our risk. Threat times vulnerability equals risk. And the leaders who are prepared for the recession that is impending are going to be those who understand and minimize risk. Okay, we're going to focus on number four and then number five. Number four, consistently assess the landscape of reality. Here's what I want you to do. Stop following events. Start following trends. Now, the word following is really important here. Am I saying you can't Turn on the news. Yes, you can turn on the news. I think you should check the news. I don't think you should watch the news because that's not helpful. But here's what I see is that sometimes an event happens and there's a lot of leaders that emotionally react and they just follow wherever, wherever anyone goes based on that single event. And that can be really dangerous because it makes you into someone that is very much operating in alignment with whatever culture is doing that day or with whatever everyone's saying that day, which the stupidity of crowds is a very real thing. Let's remember that. But it also makes you someone that is unable to see the big picture. And the most prepared leaders that I know don't just look at the isolated event. They look at the isolated event in the context of a larger narrative and a bigger picture. And so what we're talking about here is you playing long game leadership. And you're going to step back and you're saying, I'm not going to emotionally react to specific events. I'm going to logically assess the landscape, meaning I'm going to look at the trends and the trajectory of where things are going. And so I think it would be really wise for you in this season to follow trends and the trajectory of things and kind of be thinking about uh, the landscape of a few different arenas. The economy, number one, probably stay up to date on that. The market, number two, your industry, number three, can you, can you get information about what's going on in your industry? And I think data is obviously really, really good. And if you have access to good sound data, I would definitely like be tapping into that. I also think anecdotal evidence is great. And so just having conversations with people, it's become one of my favorite things to do towards the end of my coaching calls is I'll just ask the customers that I'm working with is tell me like, what are you seeing out there? What's your team seeing out there? What's going on within kind of y'all's world? Because you can hear a lot. Someone told me the other day, well, I just talked to our sales team and they said that the past two weeks have been the hardest they've ever had in a long time because a lot of people are playing wait and see with their cash. Okay, that's really helpful for them to know about their industry. It's also really helpful for me to know that that's what that customer is experiencing. And I should probably try and compare that anecdote with things that my other customers are experiencing and things that we're experiencing as a business. General consumer behavior is really helpful. Specific consumer behavior, so talking to your specific customers. What's your competition doing? What are the trends and trajectory of your competition? Are you paying attention to them? Now don't become obsessed with your competition. That's that's stupid, right? You can't run a relay race always looking sideways, but maybe you should glance every once in a while and see what they're doing over there. Okay, conversion rates, like are those dropping or they staying the same? Maybe they're increasing and maybe they're increasing in certain product lines. That would be really, really helpful to understand and know. And also your lead flow would be really wise for you to pay attention to. Here's the overarching idea behind what we're talking about here, though, is the leaders who are most able to act with agility, which we're going to talk about even more here in just a second, are the ones that have the clearest picture of what's actually going on. And so recognize that your insecurities as a leader will actually block you from seeing reality if you're not careful. Because... There's going to be some things with regard to conversion rates, with regard to lead flow, with regard to the growth of your business, with regard to the stage of your consumers that are, I mean, could be kind of scary, right? I, I mean, who knows? But if it truly is crisis, it could be kind of scary. And an insecure leader won't be able to deal with the heaviness of that reality. And so they'll just sit back and say, oh, let's just hope that that gets better and not talk about it, right? Right probably not good. (laughs) Probably better to stare it dead in the eyes and say, this is what's happening. Let's be an observer. Let's be a noticer. We're not going to act out of a posture of emotional reaction, but let's make some logical decisions of are there things that we should start considering based on what we're seeing is actually happening. And so be a non-emotional observer of what's actually going on. Consistently assess the landscape of reality. Okay, let's move on to number five, and this is directly related to the point of team culture that we already talked about. This is actually a piece of advice that I've found myself applying myself to already with our team. I've also been applying it with our customers, and we've been challenging leaders to do this as well with their teams. And it's just been so cool to see how this has kind of taken off as a little bit of a theme for people. Play the role of narrator. I want you to think about what a narrator does for a second. Did you ever watch that series whenever it first came out? It was so popular, and I think they're still making them, but man, that original one was just so cool. The series, Planet Earth, right? And and it would just be these gorgeous scenes of these outdoor landscapes of the African savanna or the the ocean, the deep seas, or the tundra, and and they'd have this narrator, right? And what would the narrator do? He would say, and in the quiet of the morning breeze the elusive snow leopard wakes up for its morning hunt, right? (laughs) I love it. And and it's not super emotional, right? It's, It's not like talking about what's going to happen, right? It's just simply narrating, here's what's happening right now. And some of the best leaders that I know are the ones that verbally communicate, here's what's happening right now. Because everyone has this narrative in their head of what's going on right now. And unless a leader steps in and unifies those narratives and says, okay, this is how we're perceiving this situation, you're going to have a bunch of disunity with regard to how people are perceiving the reality of what's going on. And you can add to that just the reality that human nature often tilts negative And man, you could have a lot of people on your team that are making up all these stories about what's going on that are horrendously untrue and outrageously negative just because there's an absence of information. What's better? Play the role of narrator. Be the person that says, hey, I wanna remind you, this is what's happening right now. This is what we are doing right now. And this is why we're doing it. And you should be this leader that is constantly communicating and playing this role for your team. And you're challenging the other leaders within your business to do the same. And so what does this look like? Well, let's pretend that things go bonkers. There's a sustained dip in the market and the news starts saying, okay, this is now classified as the recession. And because it makes for great news, they're going to say, this is the biggest dip in you know the past 40 years and everyone's freaking out. And there's going to be all these images on TV about people on Wall Street going bonkers and how many people have lost you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in their 401k and everyone's going to be losing their freaking minds. We can already predict that, right? And And here's what you can do, right? So you can start with, here's what's happening right now, right? And you can say, okay, the U.S. economy, as I'm sure you've seen on the news, has dipped into what they are classifying as a recession. And then you can give an update on what's happening with your business right now. You can say, we've seen a slight drop off in sales by about 7%. And we are currently assessing plans of what we're going to do um, if that continues for the next few months, And then you can even talk about the cash position that the business is in. You can say, we've got upwards of four months in operating expenses saved up in our retained earnings account for moments such as this that we are not yet currently dipping into. But over the course of the next six to 12 months, if this continues, we might have to do that. And in the meantime, this is what we are doing, right? This is the second piece. This is what we are doing. We are creating a list of contingencies compared to our current strategy to deal with the changes that are occurring within our customers' needs, within the marketplace and within our industry. And here's why we're doing this. The reason why we're doing this is because we wanna make sure that if this does last upwards from a year to 18 months, that we find a way to pivot our strategies so that we can continue to serve our customers well and meet the needs of the marketplace as it shifts and moves. And you see how helpful that is? What is that not? That is not this delusional leader that says, this is just going to be over in six months and we'll be fine, right? Because you don't know that. You don't control the U.S. economy. That leader that is voicing the message that I just gave you is basically saying, this is where things are economically. This is where things are for us. This is what we're doing. And this is why we're doing it. And those are all things that they can speak with a high degree of confidence on because those are all things that are true, Where you get in trouble as a leader is whenever you start leaving the role of narrator in this situation and you start stepping into the role of psychic that is telling the future. It's really not helpful. And so again, the three things I want you to spend a lot of time talking about in this season, and you should just start this today, is just take some time to say, hey, this is what's happening right now. This is what's going on. And you probably watch the news. This is what's going on with all of that. And and this is what we're doing in response to that. And this is why we're doing it. And that way, the narrative that exists within your team is one that you are a part of. And it's not some delusional negative narrative that isn't at all related to truth. And so you want to be a purveyor of truth within your organization. Okay, as we said, we're going to take this topic and break it down into a two-part series just because this ended up being a little bit more extended than I anticipated. And let's be real, I should anticipate these things by now. But let's review real quick before we close out this one. We said that there's three principles as it relates to this topic of preparation that we need to remember. Good leaders respond to crisis, great leaders prepare for it. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity and you can't be strategic if you're just trying to survive. And it's within that context that we're, we focused on five actions you can take. Get your house in order. Reinforce, amplify, and publicize culture. Understand and minimize risk. Consistently assess the landscape of reality and play the role of narrator. Y'all, I hope this is valuable. The final thing I want to leave you with on this episode is that a lot of times whenever there's seasons like this, our natural impulse can be to operate from a posture of fear. And I just want you to remember that verse from 2 Timothy that says, The Lord did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and self-control. And I'm a big believer that that's the spirit that is within you. it's it's a spirit of love, right? That you can care for other people, that you can serve other people, that you can be a loving and generous person of power. He actually gave you the ability to impose your will on the circumstances around you that are close to you. He gave you some control over some things. And and that's really important to recognize. Like, you're not this passive victim of circumstance. You're someone that has decision-making ability and will. And he's given that outrageous amount of freedom to, and praise God for that. So, so we, should leverage that and use that in glorification of him and then self-control. That's an interesting injunction. What does that not say? The control of others, the control of external factors, the control of the world around you. You can't control any of those things. What you can control is yourself. So be about the business of controlling yourself. Remember, the Lord did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and self-control. So if you start to feel anxious, you start to feel afraid, if you start to feel really concerned about everything that's ahead in the unknown future, know what you can know, but then also know that you can't know everything. And one thing that I like to remember is that the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. And so we're going to be operating in the realm of the uncertain. That's part of the gig. But that means that what's demanded of you is great faith. And I think that that leadership. Hey, one more thing before we go. If you want more content like the content that we talked about in this episode, we send out an email every single Wednesday called Worth It Wednesday. Uh, I don't really like email that much because I don't think it's worth your time or worth your energy. So every week we try to send out one email that actually is worth it. We call it Worth It Wednesday and we send you a principle worth learning, a question worth answering and a recommendation worth taking. You can read it in under three minutes. Y'all, if you want to sign up for that email, you can do so in the show notes of this episode or at pathforvote.com. You know this. We're grateful for you. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Your strength is for sure. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.